Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths about breastfeeding. And today, I am very privileged to have with me Dr. Kirsty Lador. Dr. Lador, welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Dr. Kirsty Lador is an associate professor and honorary pediatric infectious diseases consultant at the Center for Infection and Immunity at St. George's. University of London. Her main research interests are age-related immune responses to infectious diseases in newborns. She's interested in improving our knowledge of how maternal antibody and immune factors in blood and breast milk are passed to babies and how this protects them from colonization and disease and how we might improve this. I think that you can all be well aware that if if you've heard the word microbiome, you will be interested in all that Dr. Kirsty Lador has to say. I have read her most recent publication, and I can't say that I've read all of her publications, but wow, she has got some very interesting things here to help us with. And uh, I would just like to get started with making sure that we are all on the same page Could you define for us, what is the microbiome? So, thank you very much. Uh, The microbiome is basically the bacteria that cover us, in us, on us at all times. um, And it's a constantly changing um, habitat, basically, uh, depending on what we eat, how we feel, um, who we're in contact with. And it starts right from the moment that we are born, and it changes all the way through until the moment that we die. That is the most interesting definition I have ever heard. Thank you so much. I I really, I've never really thought about it as a lifelong thing because, of course, my area of expertise is newborns. So I I really, I wasn't thinking about that. But uh, if there's one thing I have learned, it is that people use words in different ways. But uh, certainly this is my understanding of the microbiome as well. I I just really was not aware of that whole lifelong thing. Uh But uh, since this is a show about breastfeeding, can you help us to understand and, and I want to back up for a moment because so often I find that parents, as well as professionals, talk about breast milk as uh, the best nutrition for babies. And that is absolutely, unquestionably true. No, no argument there. But it is much more than nutrition. It's also that immune protection. And so I really want to talk with you today then about what is it about breast milk that boosts the baby's immunity? It's a very good question. And historically, people didn't really consider the um, immunity from breast milk as a thing. But actually, when you think about it, um, as a breastfeeding woman, you have come into contact with all sorts of bacteria and viruses in Mm. your life. 
mm-hmm. and your immune system has developed an immunity to that. Otherwise, you get the same cold over and over again. And so it, it makes sense that that immunity can be passed from mother to the suckling baby um, through breastfeeding. And it starts with antibodies um, against bacteria and viruses, but it also includes the um, what we call the innate immune system, which is oh, the part mm-hmm. of the immune system that um, that develops before your body really understands what's going on. It knows that there is something there which is not good for you, but it doesn't know what it is. And so that's when the innate immune system um, comes into play. And all of these factors that we know now um, are in your breast milk. So it's a great, it's like a walking pharmacy. <laughs> I love it. Now, I'm going to back up just a moment. For those of you who might not fully understand, what she's saying here is that the innate immune system, we're all born with that, whether we're breastfed, formula fed, or what. Innate is inborn. So we come with some very... um some very rough equipment to defend ourselves, but it's this immunity that is within the mother's milk and within the placenta, which uh, helps us to fend off the uh, the pathogens, that is the bad microorganisms. So I just mentioned the placenta, and I wonder if I misspoke, but anyway, uh, let's let's talk about the pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. You you just said, and somewhere in your article, I couldn't find it, but somewhere you said, this is a matter of evolution. We humans have been in contact with these uh, pathogens, good bacteria, bad bacteria, everything from soup to nuts here, uh, and over, over many, many years. And so we have really perfected our ability to protect ourselves, and we can pass that along, in fact, to our baby. So let's talk a little bit about how, what is it that the pregnant woman can do, come in contact with, what can she eat that somehow harnesses the breast milk immunity? How does that work? Well, um, there are, you know, the, the best thing you could do is to eat a healthy balanced diet, because if you are healthy in yourself, then you will pass on a healthy immune system to your baby. Um, and one of the other things that a pregnant woman can do, obviously, is to make sure that her vaccinations during pregnancy are up to date because mm-hmm. those vaccines are specifically designed to protect the baby in those first few months of life before they get their own vaccines. Um, and so having a vaccination in, in pregnancy boosts your antibodies, not just that cross the placenta, but also the antibodies that you pass in breast milk. Um, so it's a double whammy, really. Um, sure. Excuse me. Sorry. So this gives me a perfect opportunity to say my understanding of passive immunity is what we get from um, the mother if we're in a mother situation or perhaps from an animal. And that would be along the lines of vaccinations. Am I right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so uh, okay. passive immunity is something that you're not making yourself. It's, yourself. It's, you're right. borrowing it from something else. I love that term, borrowing it. Okay. So how is the immunity, the passive immunity that the baby encounters in breast milk, how is that different from what he would get as a vaccination? In other words, can't the mother just skip breastfeeding and just go right directly to vaccinating her babies? And and isn't that the same? So 
again, really interesting. And we're beginning to learn more about breast milk as people are finally taking note of how beneficial it is. Okay. Um, but the, um, the immune factors in breast milk do work differently because what they are there to do and what um, nature has designed them to do is to stop the bacteria and the viruses from ever getting um, attached to the baby's guts or um, to their breathing tubes so they can never become infected. So all of that immune workup is there basically to catch the, catch the bugs before they can do the damage, which is slightly different to um, what happens when a baby has a vaccination because by, by the time the uh, antibodies from vaccines come into contact with the bacteria, the bacteria is already within the bloodstream. Okay. Um, and so it's already inside potentially causing damage. All right. Help me with this then, because, and, and and you can tell that microbiology is not at all my forte. I'm much more of a clinical nurse, but uh, I have had some mixed understanding of when does the baby first encounter the bacteria? Is it when the bag of water ruptures or... Is it when the baby is born uh, on the perineum and is therefore in close contact with the anus? Or is the jury still out on that? So I think the jury's still out. Um, but what we do know is that what we used to think of as a sterile um, environment when the oh. baby's in the amniotic sac probably isn't as sterile as we thought. We thought. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Okay, so then also in your article, it seemed to me that you were saying that in some cases, some studies were showing that the baby who was in fact born on the perineum near the anus would get colonized appropriately with his mother's bacteria. Mm -hmm. And so that that makes a difference as opposed to the baby who's born by cesarean birth, where in fact... He's not near the anus. So do we have any more information on that? The article is a little less than a year old or so. Uh, do we know anything more? And does it make a difference? I think what we do know is that babies born by cesarean section and babies born vaginally do have a different microbiome. Okay. Um, but what we um, also know, and there was a really good study by Pia Panaraj in, from University of Southern oh, California uh -huh. last year, um, who's one of the co-authors on, on on your study, paper, yes, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah, which says that actually, although they're different to start off with, those babies who are breastfed, even if by born by cesarean section, um, have a microbiome that becomes more like those vaginally delivered babies over time, which suggests that the microbiome is being supplemented by breast milk after delivery. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking that here in the United States, our cesarean uh, section rate is a little over 32% right now nationally. Mm -hmm. And I'm also thinking that in every hospital that I've ever worked with in, if the woman has a cesarean, she gets antibiotics just mm -hmm. as a matter of pro prophylactically. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that you're going to say that, of course, that feeds into the baby's uh, microbiome in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. I, exactly. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then can we find 
the immune factors in formula milk that we find in breast milk because there's a lot of advertising out there, at least here in the U.S., of almost like mother's milk. Uh, what do you say? I think it's a very difficult question because I think the most important thing is that a baby gets fed. Sure. Um, and so if the parent's choice is to top up with formula feed, then um, rather than having long-term psychological problems with trying to really struggling with breastfeed, I think formula is always an option. Mm-hmm. I think that the factors, especially the innate immune factors that we find in breast milk are very difficult to replicate in the lab. And one of the studies that my lab have been working on for quite some time is to try and replicate the sugars that we know are important oh, antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're never as good as what you see in the breast milk. So the synthetic versions don't seem to be quite as powerful. And I think that that's where a lot of manufacturers are now focusing their efforts are on trying to make these um, innate immune factors better because those are the things that it's very difficult to make in formula milk. I think it should not surprise any of us that a synthetic version of something is not the same as a, a natural version. It just isn't. Uh, you know, you don't see women who are clamoring to get a fake diamond. They want the that real diamond, you know. <laughs> and so it, it seems like that is uh, in some ways just just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to ask you here, you discussed about the different kinds of microbes And you said Staphylococcus and Streptococcus species are the most commonly identified bacterial families in human milk. And so tell us, what does that mean? In in terms of the baby's health, what does that mean? Well, we are covered in Staphylococcus and Streptococcus all the time. Um, and being constantly exposed to these um, bacteria can boost your immune system. Um, but as with everything, it's it's all in good measure. So it's all to do with the balance of these bacteria compared to the other bacteria, because these bacteria will keep other things in check. And similarly, other good bacteria will also keep these bacteria in check, because you wouldn't want too many um, staphylococcal or streptococcal bacteria because they can then cause disease. So you're saying, yes, we have these as normal flora on our mm-hmm. bodies. We, we, we're sitting right here having this discussion with, with in fact, those uh, microorganisms on our bodies. We will carry mm-hmm. them up, apparently to our grave. Yeah. Uh, but you are also saying, it's really a matter of keeping these in check. It's not necessarily that they're bad. It's that the overgrowth is bad. Am I exactly? Am I yes, paraphrasing too much? No, that's perfect. Okay. So um, I was very interested in what you said here. You said the origin of bacteria in breast milk is not well established. Mm-hmm. And then you talked about um, the... Uh, I'm really feeling like I really wish I had my glasses handier. <laughs> just give me just a minute here. Uh, it seemed to me that you were saying that 
the uh, the way in which that is established is not fully understood. And it seemed like you were also saying that it was one of a couple of ways. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, certainly. Um, so we really don't know where this bacteria comes from. A lot of work has gone into um, trying to understand whether the bacteria comes from the woman's gut, because it would make sense that your your gut and your um, breast milk talk to each other so that immune factors and also bacteria can um, transfer between mother and baby because from an evolutionary point of view, some of that needs to be passed to the baby. Um, but it might also be that actually the bacteria that we see in breast milk might be what is colonizing the baby, either from skin contact or contact with um, other things, toddler's hands, for example. And oh, that that, right. Yeah. Um, and that that is actually then colonizing the mother's mammary glands and that bacteria then passes backwards and forwards. Um, and I think one of the problems with studying breast milk is that you can never, you can't sample breast milk like you can sample other fluids. You can ask people to express breast milk, but that still involves people's hands or a pump or the skin. There is no way of, of accessing a milk duct without doing that. <laughs> something invasive yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wow yeah that's uh, i think you just explained that extremely well Alrighty. hey everybody don't go away i'm marie biancuto i am here today with uh dr christy lador excuse me dr kirsty lador and we will be right back after this short break don't go away Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? 
If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Kirsty Lador, and we are talking about the human microbiome with some really interesting facts about how it affects the baby and how it affects human milk. And Dr. Lador was just telling us some interesting stuff before we went to the break, and she talked about this process of I basically said to her, so how do these microorganisms get into the mother's milk? And she sort of said, well, we don't entirely know. But she talked a little bit about the idea of uh, going backwards and forwards. Dr. Lador, can you pick up a little bit more and explain that to us? It seems to me that you're saying that the baby has some impact on this, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, um, what I was trying to explain was that the the baby has bacteria already in its respiratory tract, and as it suckles, the that bacteria passes back into the mother's mammary glands and then back to the baby. And that constant challenge of of bacteria within the milk will make sure that the the bacteria that that are good are kept in um, in high abundance and the um, mammary glands can start to develop immune factors that are passed in the breast milk back to the baby for any potentially harmful bacteria. So let me understand this a little bit more. Is this a theory or has this been proven? So <laughs> as with most things, um, it's it's still a theory. Um, okay. But people have looked at how similar the baby's respiratory tract bacteria is to the breast milk. Uh-huh. And in a lot of cases, it's more similar than what's in the baby's gut compared to the breast milk. Um, so there must be some um, importance to it. But it's again, it's very difficult to do these studies because mm. you're you're essentially robbing babies of, of their food to, sure. to do these sorts of studies. Now, as you're talking about what is in the baby's respiratory tract, mm-hmm. the first thing as as a clinical person, what just jumps out at me is that one of the best indicators that a baby is breastfeeding well is when his nose is right up against the maternal uh, areola. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if I see a baby who is not well attached, I look to see that his his chin indents the breast and that his nose is in close contact. And so I guess I'm just thinking that would just make so much sense. 
but you're also telling us, yeah, that <laughs> that has really not been proven, but it's a very interesting theory. Yes. All righty. So speaking of the, uh, the respirations, is breast milk the same in term versus term babies? I mean, from a nutritional standpoint, we know it's not. For mm-hmm. example, we absolutely know that uh, human milk is higher in protein as compared to uh, in in uh, for preterm babies as opposed to term babies. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also know that some of those proteins are probably human cells. So, how does this work? How how is it different? in term versus uh, preterm from this, the, the uh, standpoint of immunoglobulins or, or immune protection? Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting, actually, because when you measure um, breast milk from a mother giving a, having, having given birth to a premature infant, um, actually the immune cells in the first day of life are not quite the same as uh, term baby milk but actually over the first week that milk very rapidly becomes similar in terms of immune content to um, to the milk of mothers delivering full term so Mm. all of that hard work pumping that those mothers of the tiny premies uh, asked to do just after having given birth really pays off because yes. you have a huge dose of of immune cells basically that you're giving to your baby every time and the more you do it the the quicker your immune system catches up to try and and supplement some of that difference are there more of the immune factors in colostrum versus the uh, transitional milk yes there are so there's about 10 to 50 times, depending on the um, the immune factor you're talking about, more in colostrum um, than there wow. is in milk. And similarly, there is more um, of the immune factor in the full milk than in the hind milk. So um, sometimes you're told to, exp- uh, to express and discard the first little bit of, oh, of no. milk. And actually, by oh, doing no. that, you're throwing away... Right the immune you know all of this beautiful immune stuff that's for free i'm sure i'm showing my age here but honestly i think it was around the mid 1980s or so that that's what we would tell women we would say throw away the first five milliliters mm-hmm. yeah. because it, it's come in contact with your body and of course the, the body has the staff and the strep on it and we want to keep it clean and all of that mm-hmm. and, and interestingly we've come full circle here to realize that no this is is so precious do not <laughs> throw that out uh of course, those were the days when we also put betadine on women's perineums, but that's another whole story. So, we thought we were doing the right thing, you know. We, from it, it seemed to make sense, but it so does not make sense. So, Dr. Lador, I guess that then brings me to another question, which is: people somehow think that once the colostral phase is over, that somehow those immune uh, properties just jump out the window. And, and in fact, they don't. So how long do the immune properties stay in human milk? Uh, Essentially, they last for as long as you breastfeed. Because (laughs) That's what I thought. Okay. (laughs) Going back to what I was saying before, um, the 
every time a, the woman comes in contact with something new, her immune system reacts to it. So you get that dynamic immune shift every time you provide milk to your baby. Yes. And see, again, I want to go back to this nutrition thing, because by the time that a baby is older, he's taking in family foods, table foods, whatever you call it in your locale. And so from the standpoint of having food to grow and develop, yes, he does have that food from a nutritional standpoint, but he certainly can benefit from those immune properties, which it is my understanding that as long as his mother has milk, that milk has immune properties and you've just confirmed that yes yes exactly yes wow i guess this is another reason why uh we really try to encourage these premature mothers and sometimes they hadn't planned on breastfeeding but the neonatologists at least here in the u.s are now very encouraging because of course they want that that immune protection for the baby mm-hmm. um how does heat treatment affect the immune properties. Can you speak to that? I know I'm going a little off the uh, topic here, but are, are you aware of how to address that? So I think um, in neonatal units, you need to heat treat because um, it's very difficult to provide milk safely otherwise. Luckily, immunoglobulins are proteins and they're fairly stable at high temperatures, so they're not necessarily affected, but they're yeah. The pasteurization will kill most of the good bacteria that's in milk. So if you're donating your own milk, we in the UK don't pasteurize. Nor do we. Um, but right. obviously, if you have donor milk, then you donor milk. pasteurize. Yeah. Yes, yes. Pasteurizing for, for donor milk. Okay. Yes. So what are the healthy bacteria? I think we've talked a little bit about uh, Stefan's staph and strep mm-hmm. but can you talk to us more about what healthy bacteria is and what some of the uh, pathogenic bacteria are and how do the babies encounter these good bad or indifferent mm-hmm. um so interestingly a lot of the good bacteria um are things like the lactobacillus um, oh, yeah. which is which you'll know as a probiotic drink Um, Although, again, probiotics not as good as um, what's in breast milk. Um, But they are, again, normal vaginal pathogens. And um, they're also very good for keeping bad bacteria in check in your gut. So they're a good good example of a good bacteria. Bad bacteria are things like E. coli, which causes urinary tract infections. Um, And again, it's a gut bacteria. Um, But these tend to be more invasive, what we call gram-negative bacteria. So they're um, bacteria with a different sort of outer coating to the streptococcus and staphylococcus, which mean it's much easier for them to invade a baby's bloodstream. So they're not good bacteria to, to pass between mother and baby. Does the pH of the gut have anything to do with it? Not really. Um, We know that the pH of the vagina can affect the types of bacteria. Um, So in countries where vaginal douching or or in countries where vaginal douching um, is the norm, that changes the pH of your vagina and that changes the type of bacteria that you have and therefore the type of bacteria that your baby is exposed to when it's born vaginally. 
I'm thinking, just given all that we've been talking about, it seems to me like the mother would be well advised to be in contact with everybody that she can encounter, everybody she can shake hands with, every germy kid that is uh, in her neighborhood. <laughs> Am I overstating the case? Or, or might this actually be helpful so that she can develop these immune properties and pass them on to her baby? Uh, so yes, obviously within reason. Um, within reason, okay. Yes, yeah, you know, not chicken pox, for example. Oh no, no, um, no. But but coughs and colds, yes, certainly. Um, being around a toddler, um, my my mother always said to my brothers and sisters that um, they were very lucky to have me because I boosted their immune system um, <laughs> as the it. oldest child. But um, certainly being around a toddler um, gives you a really good immune kick because this. A toddler's life is when they are encountering these bacteria yes. for the first time so they get everything absolutely um, they do yeah and that reminds the mother's immune system that she's seen it before and that boosts her immune system for the next baby you led me right into talking about the older toddler and eventually the toddler becomes an adult uh you wrote in your paper and i quote i'm on page four a recent study by I hope I'm pronouncing it right, blackhead et al., suggests that cessation of breastfeeding rather than introduction of solid foods is the major driver in the development of adult microbiota. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's correct. Can you talk a little more about that? Um, so as soon as you stop having your, um, your mother's milk, your body takes on, it begins to live with the bacteria it's got so you've cut off one source of altering your microbiome essentially um, and your body then moves into more of an adult state which is much less diverse in the mm. in the types of bacteria that they have and they change far less frequently mm. okay talk to us about something that is um well, hard for me to get my head around it has always been hard for me to get my head around and that is oligosaccharides mm -hmm. what is their role in protection well they're my favorite subject in oh good let's go <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there good. was a there was a great paper from sweden called every baby needs a sugar mama um and essentially human milk oligosaccharides are sugars and their only purpose in breast milk is to act as an antibiotic so they're one of nature's natural antibiotics um they work in a number of different ways but essentially what their purpose is is to suck bacteria towards them so that the bacteria stick to them uh, and not to the baby uh, and then it gets passed out in the baby's gut isn't that fantastic I never envisioned it like that because I always thought that oligo, I'm really showing my ignorance here, but I thought that oligo was small. So a small saccharide, a small <laughs> sugar. And it sounds like I'm not necessarily wrong on that, but I just did not understand that they uh, they provide an attractant apparently <laughs> for the, the bacteria. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a sugar, which is bacterial food. Sure, um, sure. So bacteria will go to that rather than to something else. That is like just so magic. Mm -hmm. uh, before we leave the topic of oligosaccharides, then, what is it that fascinates you so much about the oligosaccharides? 
so I, I think it's amazing that the body has made something as simple as a sugar, which <laughs> we cannot reproduce in the lab. Um, that does all of this good in terms of protecting babies from bad bacteria. Um, and we've been looking to see whether um, uh, different mothers have different oligosaccharides and whether this can be boosted in some way with um, simple probiotics given to the mother that might help um, to make these these um, human milk oligosaccharides. Wow, that is just so fascinating. Hey, everybody, uh, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I am here today with Dr. Kirsty Lador. We are talking about the human uh, microbiome, and she has given us some absolutely incredible insights into human milk, how it works, how this is just an amazing resource for not only the newborn, but for the baby really during babyhood as well as through adulthood. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Lucky me. I am here today with Dr. Christy Lador, and we are talking about the human microbiome and human milk and the role of human milk in giving immunity to the baby in what is really a very, very special way. So I think that up until now, we have talked just about bacteria. But we know that the pathogen world is bigger than that. We know that we also have, for example, um, the virus. So can you talk to us about breast milk virome? Yes, sure. So when we say we know very little about the breast milk microbiome, we actually know even less about the virome. (laughs) Essentially what the virome is, is all of the viruses that normally live inside our bodies. And again, there are hundreds of them. Um, And uh, it's this, uh, they all live in harmony or disharmony, and that causes you to be healthy or not healthy in the same way as the bacteria. And so... How does human milk fit into that? Is is that where the oligosaccharides fit in? Uh, yes. So oligosaccharides are important for the virome as well as the um, microbiome. Um, but uh, essentially all of these things, if you think we're more microbe than person um, and you have bacteria and viruses all living within us all at the same time and all of these things feed into the immune system within your breast milk that um, is created because of this interchange between the bacteria and the viruses. Okay. All righty. Uh, I want to back up a minute to the, the bacteria. I thought that I read somewhere in your paper that there were over 800,000 bacteria and I could not remember if you said that that was in the human body or in the newborn. Am I making that up or, or is that figure in here somewhere? No, no, that's yes, that's correct. There are lots and lots and lots of different millions. Several million bacteria live on us and in us at any one time. Oh, that that's just mind boggling. And I'm thinking, well, then wouldn't we need all the protection we could possibly get? Uh, yes, that is very true. Oh, wow. All righty. So. You talk about the um, 
uh, the important role in preventing neonatal diarrhea and respiratory tract infections. And yeah. you talked a little bit about the respiratory. Can you bring us up to speed on the diarrheal? Because I am quite sure, I don't really know a whole lot about formula feeding, but it is my understanding that formula-fed babies are much at, at much higher risk for uh, diarrhea as compared to breastfed infants. Mm-hmm. So how does this fit in uh, with what we're talking about today? So again, nobody is absolutely sure, but um, it would make sense that if you are breastfed and then you are receiving um, immunity from your mother that's probably also had these bugs that caused the diarrhea in the first place, that you would be less likely to have diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the problem with formula feeding as well is that you can't guarantee that the water that you're using is always oh, sterile. Sure, sure, obvious. Yeah, sorry, I missed that one totally. Yeah. But yes, 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 yeah. yes, you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, especially, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe not so much in the US, but um, certainly in, in countries in Africa, for example, where water's yes. not clean. Yes. Although certainly we do have kids who do have clean water and they still end up with more cases of diarrhea. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, thank you for stopping me on that. You're totally right. But uh, it's well, having clean water is not a guarantee that you'll be free of the the diarrhea. That's for sure. Alrighty. So what are extracellular vesicles and their cargo? I read what you had to say, but I have to tell you, uh, that's kind of where I got a little bit stuck. I needed a little bit more brain power. Can you help us to know what are the extracellular vesicles and what what cargo do they have and why does it matter? So we, again, extracellular vesicles is a really exciting new area of, of breast milk research. Um, okay. uh, and actually the were first identified through the placenta. Um, and what these are, are little parcels of DNA from bacteria and viruses that we've come in contact with um, that are thought to um, uh, help program your immune system. So in the same way as the whole bacteria and the whole viruses, these little parcels of um, information about bacteria that are long dead also seem to do something to your innate immune system that means that you have a better immune memory when you see these bacteria again. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty important. Alrighty. So these, we can do whatever we can do, but sometimes things do not go the way we had planned. My question is, how can we replace the bacteria for the baby that he needs after he has been born? Is it ever too late? What it, What is it? And is it ever too late? So um, I don't think it's ever too late. Obviously, breastfeeding is really important because that will help Mm -hmm. to replace things, Um, as will normal human contact. And actually not being too clean is really helpful. So um, not being afraid of your toddler picking up your baby because they're also being challenged with um, the bacteria and the viruses that the the toddler has. Yes. and those are all really useful ways of helping to put the bacteria back, basically. Lots of things that haven't worked are trying to give probiotics to babies. Yeah. That's, that's not worked really very well at all, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and no other supplements 
that have had a lot of research gone into them have have done anywhere near as as much as just you know keeping going with normal daily life basically two things jumped to my mind there people have asked me and I am far from an expert on this I'm barely conversant but uh, people have asked me well what about giving uh probiotics to my breastfed baby and my answer is the the mother's milk already has the probiotics am I correct yes that's exactly right and they have the right probiotics so if the baby gets other probiotics is that helpful or is that perhaps harmful um so there we don't know um, we don't know um there have been some studies of probiotics that have actually shown harm um again it's probably something to do with this balance um but also a lot of the probiotics are not the right type of bacteria so even with the same bacteria there are different types and the type that's easy to grow for a lot of probiotics is not exactly the same as the type that we would have in our guts and it's these very small changes that make the difference wow okay i was also thinking about what you said a minute ago It's very often I have seen this happen. Having worked as a labor and delivery nurse, I have seen that some uh, uh, mothers will come in and they have their whole family entourage in the delivery room. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, we don't call it the delivery room anymore, but I, I should say the room where the baby is being born. And the baby ends up getting passed from grandma to grandpa to Aunt Lily to on and on and on. And I'm thinking, oh, for heaven's sakes, just please give this baby to the mother. Please, please, please. And as I hear you talking, it occurs to me that the baby has not had a good dose of colostrum yet. Mm-hmm. And that baby really needs to have that dose of colostrum before any of us put our hands on that baby. And that includes me, the nurse. Yes. Yeah, probably. Um, skin to skin, we know, is, is a really good thing yes. to do. And that's the best thing you can do straight after a baby is born because it helps bonding and it helps breastfeeding And, you know, it will boost the baby's immune system because it's laying on this bed of skin bacteria. Uh, How did you get interested in all of this? Um, In breast milk research, I I suppose because I am interested in working out how to protect newborn babies from disease and... There is not a lot that's known about breast milk, but it seems to make sense that we should consider, if you think about mother and the fetus as a continuum before the baby's born, why then has this continued immunity not been looked at afterwards? And the only link between mother and baby is breast milk. Right. So right. it makes sense to, to keep investigating that and see whether there are things that we can do that will boost baby's immunity and stop them getting sick. Okay. So then, in your opinion, what is the next big thing in uh, research as related to human milk? So I think the next big thing will be um, working out more about how the human milk oligosaccharides work Mm. um, and really harnessing those because you talked at the beginning about antibiotics and babies getting doses of antibiotics and how that changes the the baby's microbiome. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if we could use human milk oligosaccharides instead of antibiotics in some cases, then we wouldn't have that problem with changing, altering what's already there within the baby because you'd be harnessing something from nature. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of research going into that at the moment because everybody's worried about the pipeline drying up for antibiotics. Oh, uh, right. And antimicrobial right. resistance. So, you know, this could be a great alternative. Okay. And do, I'm not sure quite exactly what my question is. I do not want to put you on the spot, but there are some authorities that seem to think that if the baby has some doses of formula, that it substantially changes the microbiome in his gut. I'm not sure if we've got enough research to say that that is or is not the case, but I'm not very well read on that. What's your take on that? Um, People have looked at it, and I think that the results are different for different studies. Um, And it goes back to what I was saying before, is that rather than struggle with um, a, a baby that's underfed, if sometimes they need to have formula, then... Um, let them have that formula so that the mother gets a rest. But remember that breast is best. Yeah, I think it really always comes down to uh, risk benefit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm in the risk benefit camp for sure. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, uh, this has just been so incredibly interesting. Any thoughts that you have before we wind up today, or anything else that you feel is really important for our listeners to understand about this very important topic? Um, no, I don't think so. Just to say that we've got um, National Vaccination Week coming up. Oh or yes, National Vaccination Week coming up. Okay. Um, and just to remind people that one of the best ways that they can boost immunity in breast milk is through making sure their vaccines are up to date. Okay. And uh, that reminds me that Dr. Ruth Lawrence always used to say that breastfeeding your baby is the first uh vaccine so to speak mm-hmm. exactly uh, in quotes yes uh, alrighty so interesting uh, I hope that all of you have enjoyed what we've been able to hear from Dr. Kirsty Lador today and it's very compelling what she's talking about and even more exciting to know that there is more research that is on the front and I can almost guarantee you that Dr. Uh, Kirsty Lador will be at the forefront of that, along with some of her very esteemed colleagues. Uh, Dr. Lador, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Marie. All righty. I would like to thank all of our listeners for being with us today. Without you, we don't have a show. So please, by all means, uh, let us know your reactions. I will have a short post on this on my website, and that's mariebiancuso.com. I'll spell it for you. It's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O dot com. Yes, I wish my name was shorter, but it isn't. So (laughs) in the meanwhile, I will encourage you to go look at all the posts that I have as related to what we've been discussing lately. And if you have questions, please feel free to leave a question for me or for Dr. Lador. I will probably have to pass it on to her, but I'm very happy that you are with us. And if I've said anything there that is helpful for you, please subscribe. We would love to have you. Alrighty. Again, thank you everybody for being here. Thank you, Dr. Lador. And 
keep listening. We will have another show next week. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.